we've been covering a lot of ground, uh, necessary ground, on the topic of money and giving and wealth. And the goal is to be challenged in the way that we view money, changing our mindsets, not just to have theory, but to really change it, not only here in our mind, but even in our hearts. And as we've been tracking along, uh, some have asked, well, you know, is there any practical truth along the way? And I am very excited to announce this morning that Financial Peace University will be hosted at the Gateway Church this fall, September 14th through November 9th. Strategic. So once the kids are back in school, uh, the week after Labor Day, uh, and it'll finish before Thanksgiving. And as I've been thinking about that and the timing of that, I believe that Christmas this year can be different in your household. God can help you, and there's a plan, and there's some uh, lifelong changes that need to happen in many of our lives. And I just want to encourage you, many of you have been through financial peace and maybe have fallen off the bandwagon. You need to come back and go through it again. My wife and I have been through it four, maybe five times in the last nine years. And every time we do it, we're strengthened. And so I want to encourage you to sign up. You can sign up online, sign up in the lobby, and we want to encourage you to do that. Well, today we're going to continue our series on uh, money and on uh, giving and on wealth. And really, today what I want to do is I want to bring a follow-up to the message uh, that was before Father's Day by Robert Morris. And uh, how many of you were here uh, for that message uh, here by, with Robert Morris? Okay, uh, the majority of you were. Um, and we're going to do a follow-up. I want to bring some perspective and some uh, additional information along with this idea of breaking the spirit of mammon. I want to say next week we're going to talk about generosity, and you are not going to want to miss it. It's, uh, it's, it's the most fun you'll ever have with giving or with, mo- with money is for us to be generous, and, and we'll be talking about that. And then the, the following week, we'll talk about multiplication and really some wealth-building principles. And uh, you say, man, I don't have enough to even hardly rub together. We're going to talk about that this morning. But, uh, but I want to encourage you to make a priority these next two weeks as we finish up this series. Um, I really believe we've been able to bring a scripture-based perspective and uh, that it can really change us. And uh, again, this is not a get-rich-quick type of series. Uh, We are endeavoring to do things God's way, to see God's heart related to our money, to our giving, to our wealth, and that's our goal. And uh, and so this morning, we want to continue in that mindset. Um, that the message by Robert Morris, there was quite a bit of feedback that I received after that message. It wasn't just one or two. There were several people that communicated with me in different ways by text and by email, by Facebook. And I love it. I love the feedback. It must have hit a chord. And that's why I want to come back and kind of readdress because for some, the, some of the principles or some of the thoughts were brand new information, things that you may not have ever considered considered before. And I want to encourage you as we progress, I really at any time, is to communicate as much as you can. Tweet and Facebook and text and all these different things. And, um, and I want you to know overall the perspective was very positive. But one of the questions that came is, do you agree with everything that Robert Morris said? 
And I would think that no matter you know, who you're listening to, you want to take the, the, the good, and there may be some things along the way that you don't always agree with or things that you may be wrestling with in your mind, and that's certainly the case with the message that we shared. In fact, I, I believe it's mostly semantics, word choice uh, from Robert Morris and maybe the way that I would say things, for by and large, I did agree with what he was saying, uh, we did weigh uh, the risk of showing that, and uh, I believe it was a great decision. And I want to encourage you, if you were not here, to get online and listen. You can go to thegatewayGH.com, listen, re-listen. Uh, I believe there is some truth there that is powerful. There was one illustration, though, that caught the attention of some that caused some controversy, and I want to address that. If you were with us, you might remember he talked about his daughter and his daughter's boyfriend, right? And uh, that uh, somehow Robert Morris had quick access to the history of the giving of this boyfriend. And whether that was true or not, um, I love the story, but I, but I had some questions about that. And I want you to know that I have always said I do not have access to who gives here at the Gateway Church. That's my choice. I don't want to know uh, whether you give uh, $100 or a million dollars, okay? I want to treat you the same. And the only time I will check tithing records is I will ask our treasurer when we are looking for board members to come on our board, I will ask that board member or I'll ask the uh, treasurer to look for a pattern of regular giving. And that's been our mode of operation. I wanted to make sure that that you understand that. And uh, so I don't know how much, even in those cases, is really what we're looking for is the heart behind it. And, uh, and so I want to make sure you know that, all right? And then plus, I just believe that God is better at convicting than I am, right? I could stand up here and try to twist your arms. That's no good. But the Lord, through his word, through the message, even through the series, I believe God is transforming some of our hearts and minds. And so enough said about that. I guess actually one other thing. When it comes to the tithe, because Robert Morris talked about tithing, the, I do believe that tithing is a scriptural uh, uh, Christian um, perspective, Old Testament, New Testament I believe it's the baseline, the entry point to honor God with your increase. And uh, now that does not guarantee riches by any means. You've never heard me say that, um, although uh, some picked that up from Robert Morris's message. Uh, listen, this week I was listening to Dave Ramsey, and I really appreciate it. He said He said he was talking about tithing. He said, I tithe all the way to bankruptcy court and all the way back out of bankruptcy. Okay, and the idea is it does not guarantee riches, but it does. It sets our heart in the right place. And uh, that is for certain. And that really comes back to our big themes. And the first one is that it's all about the heart. We've been saying that each and every week within this series. It's all about the heart. In fact, let's say it together. It's all about the heart. God wants our hearts. Where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. There's a string connected from our wallet to our heart. We believe that. The other big, thing, big takeaway we've been having is that it is all God's. He owns it all. And with that perspective, what that makes us, we are not owners. We are stewards of the resources that we have in our possession. 
The other thing that we've realized, and I think this is really critical, and we're going to talk about this this morning, is that there is a spiritual component to the way that we view and the way that we spend our money. And if there are financial problems in your life or in others that you know, I do not believe that it's a mathematical problem or a lack of resources. I believe in most cases, many cases, there's a spiritual problem related to your view or spending habits. And I understand that that is very strong, but I, we, I'll back that up. Robert Morris in his message, Breaking the Spirit of Mammon, which, by the way, is based on uh, the Blessed Life book that he wrote, wrote on chapter 5. He comes to the scripture, Matthew 6, 24. And I want us to look at this together, if you could put that up there. It says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And then you see this little phrase, you cannot, everyone say cannot. It's an impossibility, okay? You cannot serve God and mammon. And it begs the question, what is mammon? You cannot, it's an impossibility to serve God and mammon. And someone just said it's money, but it's not just money. And that's what we're learning. See, Jesus suggests that it's possible to serve mammon instead of God. You can't serve both at the same time. And as we summarize and we bring some more insight into this, I want you to know that mammon is an attitude that says that man does not need God. That's a scary thing. Mammon is rooted in pride that says that we are self-sufficient, that we don't need God, that we can trust in riches, we can trust in money. And as we see in Matthew 6, as Robert Morris points out, that mammon wants to rule. It is looking for servants. It is seeking worshipers. And it will promise you everything, but it will deliver on nothing. Mammon is a spirit that contrasts itself with God. It's arrogant. It's prideful. And Pastor Jimmy Evans from a great church in Texas says this, quote, I'll quote, uh, Mammon promises us those things that only God can give. Things like security and significance, identity, independence, power, and freedom. Mammon tells us that it can insulate us from life's problems and that money is the answer to every situation. Mammon is powerful. It's scary in some ways. See, mammon will say to buy and sell, but the Spirit of God says to sow and reap. Mammon says to cheat and steal to get ahead. The Spirit of God says you give and receive. Mammon is selfish. The Spirit of God is generous. And it's important for us to understand that mammon is not the same as money. 1 Timothy 6.10, we looked at that a couple weeks ago, that it says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil, and money is not the same as mammon. And also, Jesus is not saying here in Matthew 6 that we should hate money by any means. Jesus is saying here that if we love God, which I hope we all do, we will hate mammon. Again, mammon is a lack of trust in God. It's fear-based. And Robert Morris quotes saying that mammon is a greedy, selfish, lying, deceiving, antichrist-like spirit that operates 
through money worship. And that's pretty strong as well, but I do believe that he's on the right track. And as I've studied this and I've meditated over these scriptures and this idea of mammon, I want to be quite frank with you this morning that it has affected me at a deep level, this idea of mammon, that it could control me and it can control those around me, those I love, and you, for example. And as I thought about it, and I look back at my upbringing, I grew up very selfish. Uh, I was number one in my life. I was self-absorbed. And not only was I selfish, but I was prideful in a lot of ways. I used to go around, this is, I, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this, but I used to go around and saying, don't you know who I am? I'm Ben Vey. And uh, I mean, I did that all through college. I mean, I was, it was ridiculous. And uh, I think, I, I look back and I, I think how silly, but I really encouraged my son Logan. I'm like, Logan, we're going to be confident, but with humility. And then I didn't really get that lesson growing up. Um, and then I also was very materialistic growing up. And I want to be fair to my parents. My parents were certainly not this way. In fact, they say things like, we don't know what happened to Ben. <laughs> and uh, that is the truth. They will roll their eyes at me in the patterns of my selfishness or my pride or my materialism. Uh, my parents, are just for the record, have always been generous. They've been faithful in their tithes. Uh, they've been also very smart with their money overall, uh, biblically uh, based and with their spending. And the, my family benefits from that. For example, they just brought us to Florida and they pay for our vacation and uh, they pay for everything while we're there. It's pretty awesome. But back to my issues, right? Uh, Self-pride and materialism. You say, well, where does that come from? And I have realized that I, in my life, have allowed a spirit of mammon to control parts of my life at times. And that's the truth of the matter. And there's some examples. I mean, I could give you a lot of them, but I was thinking about it, um, that for as long as I can remember, I will not wear non-name brand shoes all right this is one example and not only name brand shoes but i want top of the line so for example i really like brooks shoes i've worn them for probably 12 or 15 years and brooks has a variety the entry level medium and top of the line you can get a good brooks shoe i know that in my mind for a hundred dollars you might even get on sale for sixty dollars but will Ben Vey buy those? Oh, no. I'll wait till the $160 pair is half off, and I'll buy those. That's just the way my mind thinks. And I'm thinking, what is the case with that? And it's not just running shoes. It's basketball shoes and dress shoes and hiking boots and sandals, and the list could go on and on. It's true with camping stuff and biking stuff and watches and jackets and jeans I'm a piece of work, I've realized this week as I've put this message together. Now, I want you to know part of my obsession is that most people don't realize that I'm that way, although I've just let the cat out of the bag. And hopefully that's, and maybe I should go to some therapy about that, I'm not sure. But the truth is, the truth is this, is that I can get caught up with the idea that somehow I will be happy if I have certain things in my life and that has a root in a spirit of mammon you say where does that come from again i want to be quite clear it's not my parents okay uh, it was not my upbringing but as i've thought about this over the years and uh it really goes back to when i was in fourth and fifth grade 
I was teased as a young boy about having knockoff Nike shoes when I showed up to basketball practice. And I didn't realize, but subconsciously, really, and I realized this in my early 30s, I would not wear Nikes any, any longer. Uh, or Nikes or non-knockoff non, brand names. And I wouldn't wear non-name brand shoes. And it was through some counseling that I came out and there was this revelation. I'm saying, what in the world is wrong with me? And, uh, and I realized that it goes all the way back to this identity that I did not feel uh, uh, valued unless I was wearing Birkenstocks, for example, okay? I mean, that's just the way, the way it was. And what I allowed myself for many, many years, and I still struggle at times, is that I would allow selfishness or pride or materialism, which are all symptoms of mammon, to control my life. And that's sad. That's hard to swallow. That's hard to communicate. And stuff would give me my identity, not God. Stuff would make me happy, not God. Security would come from stuff. Money was my source, in many cases, not God. And believe me, it's tricky and it's subtle. And a couple of weeks ago, if this was a new concept of the spirit of mammon or this idea of that you can't serve God and mammon, if it's new revelation, uh, we, I want to uh, pour some uh, fuel on that fire. I want to bring some additional insight because I know it's hard to apply. I walked away a couple weeks ago saying, man, I thought people would re really resonate more. Maybe I'm the only one. But I talked about it with the staff, and they're saying, no, it's just hard to understand or hard to apply, and it's easy to dismiss, to walk away and say, oh, that doesn't really apply to me. And so I did some further study, and I'm convinced that most people don't recognize the influence of Spirit, the spirit of mammon in their life. And I want to help us today to turn on the light, to bring some awareness, to uh, bring some additional identification, uh, to bring us to a point of decision, to trust God, to be filled with hope. I mean, that's my goal. And ultimately, to break the spirit of mammon in your life, in my life, and here at the Gateway Church. But we must know what we're dealing with. And uh, we, I got some additional insight uh, from a great book. It's called Wealth, Riches, and Money by Craig Hill and Earl Pitts. And there's a chapter called The Power Behind Money. And he talks about uh, this spirit of mammon in detail. And then he, they end the chapter with 10 symptoms of mammon's influence. And I want to encourage you to write some of these down, especially if they relate to you. This is fascinating. It was enlightening to me. It was very helpful. And I pray that it will just minister to you this morning. We're going to review these. Um, these guys, they say this. They say, we would like to list the 10 symptoms that we've observed of the influence of spirit of mammon in a person's life. And then they say this. Identification of the influence of the spirit is the first step to freedom from it. And so we've got to know what we're dealing with. And the first one, the first symptom is worry and anxiety over money. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but my guess is there's a few here at one time or another that you've been worried or had some anxiety over money. 
And the reality is there's a spirit behind that. It says many people carry much anxiety and fear over money. Rich people fear uh, losing their money, while poor people fear they'll never have enough. In either case, worry and anxiety dominates a person's emotions. I think that's true. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, five times God, Jesus, says not to worry, not to be anxious over the source of provision. And it states in verse 33, which is one of my life verses, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Listen, if you are worried or anxious about money in any way, I want you to be aware of there's something behind that. The second is money mismanagement. Have you ever said this? I don't know where it all went. Right? We've all, we've all been there one time. See, listen, money mismanagement is systematic of not keeping any records or having financial or having a financial plan. Some have taken the attitude that since God is the source, right, they need to do no record or no planning. And this will always lead to irresponsibility, they say, and money mismanagement. And money mismanagement is a symptom of the spirit of mammon in your life. Number three, consistent financial lack. Listen to this. Have you ever said, I don't have enough money? Or too much money, or too much month at the end of the money, uh, is, is what some people say. And what this problem, it seems to affect, to affect the rich and the poor alike, where spending patterns and consistently exceeding available resources, the idea is that you spend more than you make. It'll cause consistent financial lack. And what causes that is a spirit behind that of saying, you know what, I need that even though I can't afford it. And it's scary. The fourth one is an I cannot afford it mentality. Another term for this that I like to use is a scarcity mentality. And again, they, uh, they say in their book, they say, if the spirit of mammon has convinced me that money is my source and is the determining factor in my life, then I must be very careful how I spend money. Again, the focus here is on money rather than God as our source, and that's the problem. That's the issue. And again, it can happen to the rich and to the poor having this idea we cannot afford it. And then he goes on, he says, as good stewards, we have to answer the question, how much is enough? And the spirit of mammon does not want us to answer that question. If you find yourself saying, I can't afford it, or having that mentality, that's a mindset that is influenced um, by, uh, by the spirit of mammon. Number five, and we'll move quickly through these, impulse buying. The inability to resist the desire to purchase, right? Have you ever found yourself, you come home and you bought something, and maybe your spouse says, do we really need that, or what were you thinking? And you say, I don't know, but it was a good deal, it was cheap, right? How many's been there? Come on, let's be honest. Uh, Craig Hill says, many people purchase all sorts of things that they don't really need or even want simply because it was cheap. As you walk through the shopping mall, which he says is a temple of mammon, which I think is kind of funny, the spirit of mammon is screaming out all sorts of things. Buy me, buy me, I'm cheap. 
you'll never get this good deal again. That's what the spirit of mammon says. It's interesting, when I was in, in China a few years back, and uh, Rick and I, you remember this, we, we, we got busted, we couldn't smuggle any more Bibles, and so all we could do was pray and shop. And we had, I don't know, there were 12 pastors, I think we were all guys, I don't think there were any ladies on the trip, and I watched some of us, and I'm not going to, I'll be pointing fingers at myself, after several days of shopping, you find yourself wanting things that you never knew you wanted. And we all ended up with stuff in our bags coming home that we regretted later. I bought, I bought Jessica a North Face jacket that was a knockoff. The zipper did, was on the wrong side. The logo was on the wrong side. And the zipper never worked. She never wore the stupid jacket. I never tried it. They, there were guys on our trip that bought fake Rolex, you know, thinking, oh, that'd be cool. And on the plane ride home, the atmosphere changed, and the little stickers were, like, peeling up on the watch. <laughs> and I'm like, suckers, but I was suckered in my own way. And uh, the, But anyway, okay, enough about that. Impulse buying, it can affect any of us, but what is this, what's the problem behind that? It's this idea that, uh, if it's not part of the plan, it's, we probably shouldn't buy it. All right, it gets a little more serious now. Number six, stinginess, all right? And maybe you know someone that's stingy. Maybe you're sitting next to someone that's stingy. I hope not. Uh, but this exemplifies, is exemplified by the fear of tithing or giving. Uh, again, this is very sneaky, very subtle. Uh, Craig Hill says here, he says, some people have more fear of letting go of money than Scrooge at Christmas time. The fear of tithing or giving is a symptom of a strong pull of a spirit of mammon. Stinginess is simply a fear that I won't have enough money to meet my own needs. This fear then generates a need to hold on to your money. And I'll tell you, I know some stingy people, and they're just not very nice to be around. And we're going to talk about that next week. The, the opposite of that is being generous. And God is a generous God, and we are to be generous people. And so stinginess certainly is a symptom. Number seven is greed. To be a little uh, greedy dirtbag, right? Uh, it's an, it's, this is an inordinate desire to acquire and possess. And again, what controls that in many cases is a spirit of mammon and uh, very scary. Number eight is discontentment. And I want to pause here um, because I thought I was going to do a message just on this idea and then I, I wanted to bring all these things. But discontentment, if there's one antidote to, the, to mammon, I believe it's being content. Uh, Dave Ramsey says that being content is the most powerful financial principle there is. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 10. In fact, I want to turn there. Uh, in your, turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3 or chapter 6. And uh, I want to read a few verses here because it's really, really uh, insightful, very powerful. This is on a series or in a series here with 1 Timothy uh, where he's talking about the love of money. He says, If anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of your Lord Jesus Christ, and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think, this is interesting, who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. 
Have you ever heard of the idea of uh, financial prosperity or the, uh, uh, what am I thinking of? The prosperity gospel? That's what it's talking about here. People that think that godliness is a means to financial gain. It's not, okay? But godliness, verse 6, with contentment is great gain. You need to underline that, circle that in your Bible. That's a huge verse. For we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Verse 9, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into as many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some, mon- or some people eager for money, and maybe you know someone like this, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Listen, if you are consumed with money, if you're consumed with the pursuit of money, in verse or in the tenth thing, which we'll get to in a second, is the exaggerated emphasis on money or an overestimate of its true power. And that's what these scriptures are talking about in First Timothy. If that's the case, you are in trouble financially and spiritually. Listen, contentment is not a lack of ambition or a lack of action or a lack of intensity. That's not the case. It's a condition of our hearts while we're pursuing different things. Content people don't always have the best of everything, but they make the best of everything. And it's not an excuse to be idle. The Apostle Paul is a great example. He was super motivated, never slowed down. He was pressing forward always. But in Philippians 4, verse 11, he says, I have learned to be content in everything. The idea is that I am not going to be torn up over the pursuit of stuff. Instead, I'm going to choose to be content. We could talk more about that. I could do a whole message on it. But, uh, but listen, that's a big, big deal. Number nine is a bondage to debt. All right? A bondage to debt. And uh, what Craig Hill and uh, Earl Pipps says about this, he, they say there is a spirit behind personal debt which couples itself with mammon and will hinder the flow of finances in one's life. And uh, people in bondage to the spirit of mammon are often not able to dis- discipline themselves to delay personal gratification of the immediate purchase of a desired item. It goes back to that unplanned spending. Unplanned consumer spending is always a very strong indicator of the lordship of the spirit of mammon in a person's life. And uh, boy, uh, I just want to encourage you to, to really think about that. And the tenth one, again, is exaggerated emphasis on money. Your language, the language people use, the emphasis they bring, people that are impressed with others who have money or are constantly talking about how they're going to make more money, those uh, that can be uh, motivated by a spirit of mammon in your life. And uh, there are other things, I believe materialism, like I shared in my own case, certainly can be uh, a source or a, a root uh, or connected with this idea of mammon being a source in our own lives. And I want to encourage us this morning to, s- to kind of pause here and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal areas, and I believe he's already been revealing some areas in your life where the spirit of mammon has influenced your mind and your heart. Now I want to encourage you 
to be honest with yourself and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And then I want to encourage you that in the areas where there's some new knowledge or new awareness is to repent and ask the Holy Spirit to destroy the root behind the behavior. And I want to go through these 10 again. And uh, if you could help me out uh, in the back uh, with these, that'll be helpful. I want to just review these uh, quickly. The first one was worry and anxiety over money. Second, money mismanagement. Third, a consistent financial lack. And the worship team can come at this point, or, the, or those that were going to come. An I can't, it, can't afford it mentality. Impulse buying. Stinginess. Greed. Discontentment. Bondage to debt and an exaggerated emphasis on money or an overestimate overestimate of its true power. Church, if one or several of these things characterize any part of your life, I want to bring you back to Matthew chapter 6 that says, and I reword it, if you love God, if you desire to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will hate mammon. You will hate the symptoms that cause mammon to rule in your life. And I want to say that there is freedom, there is healing available for your situation. And no matter how far off you've been or how much control some of these things have had, God, He wants to meet you right where you are. And he wants to do that. And I believe we've created an atmosphere where God can change our hearts, where God can change our minds. And what I'm going to ask is for uh, the slides, those 10 things, if you can just continue to uh, just give it two or three seconds, maybe five seconds, then go to the next, then go to the next. What we're going to do is we're going to turn this place into a place of prayer and worship.